The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You're listening to the hottest, the hottest NBA podcast out. Yeah, I said what I said. She's heating up. It's the Heat Check. The Heat Check. Heat Check. With Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check, there is so much popping around the league. Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Back again. John Morant's back. Oh, this is bad. I should just stop right now. John Morant's impending return. We wonder what the fuck is happening with Bradley Beal's ligaments. And we get into all the news from around the league since it's Monday. You also know it's time for the Hemi Award. Plus, we have a bonus interview with Clippers insider Law Murray. Don't have much time to chat, so let's do me a favor. Drop that motherfucking beat that should be Rihanna. Okay. So the big news in the NBA, is that our guy, John Morant, and if you say that you just don't care about this or that John Morant is no longer a top five, top seven point guard in the league because you haven't seen him in a while, like, that's just ridiculous. I've said this a million times. I'm going to continue to say it. John Morant on a Tuesday in December is the most electrifying player in the NBA. Maybe one of the most electrifying players we've ever seen in our lives. Like, that's how... I'm not saying he's better than Ant Edwards. I'm not saying he's better than Steph Curry. I'm saying on a Tuesday, John Morant will have you call in your friends. And people are sleeping. Sleeping. He will be back from his 25-game suspension, which combined with missing a ton of time due to suspension last year, means that most people haven't seen him in a while. And I think, like I said, I think people forgot. Y'all must have forgot that John Morant is that guy. How long does it take for you to forget how good this player is? Apparently, turns out, 25 games. But now that that shit's behind him, now that it seems truthfully like he has looked inward and made some changes, I, as a basketball fan and as a rooter of John Morant, I could not be happier. Not just because I get to see my favorite offensive player in the league back on the court where he belongs, but also because I think this break this situation, this time off, could have been exactly the thing that he needed to get his head straight. Sometimes in the hustle and bustle of your job and all of the responsibilities that you have, all you can do is just hold your head about above water. And you start getting into some routines, into some activities that you really shouldn't be due to the health concerns or whatever, what have you. This is what Jaw said when he asked about when he was asked about his suspension. In the end, I feel like it made me better. I feel like I learned some stuff about myself during that process. It was very eye-opening. It kind of gave me a new look on life, how I go about my days and how I carry myself. Those are, of course, the right words, the proper words. But 
in all fairness, John Morant did say some right words to Jalen Rose. But that's why I'm concentrating on what he said after this. I can't, you know, make nobody believe me outside of my actions. So me answering this question with just words probably won't mean nothing to nobody. And that's true. Nobody is believing John Morant right now. But that right there, listen, I'm a liar. I lied once before. I did a bunch of bullshit after I said I wasn't going to. And I know that you can't believe me. So all I'm going to be able to do is just every day show up and do the right thing. That is the beginning of growth. That is the beginning of self-awareness. The realization that actions are the only thing that matter and not your words. Nobody gives a fuck what John Morant says that he's learned in the last two months. Nobody cares. Nobody, we don't want to hear about how much you've gone to therapy. We don't want to think about how much you've watched film or how good Desmond Bain is right now or how guilty you are that you've set your Grizzlies back uh, by not being available for the team. Nobody wants to hear that. The reason that I feel like I can begin to trust him is because he said, do not trust me. That's the kind of thing that people say when they want to accept accountability. They've, in the past, tried to weasel out of accountability. They've gotten killed for it. And then they realize, you know what? It's easier to just do the right thing, accept responsibility, than to run away. Becoming better, becoming stronger, becoming more self-aware is very hard work. And if people don't believe the words that you say when you tell them that you've changed, that's okay. And that's okay to say, I get that I have broken everybody's trust and they shouldn't believe a thing that I said. You know that you have to prove it to them. I always like the people who are skeptical about how other per others perceive the words that they say. But one thing is for sure. Grizzlies, they need John Morant bad right now. They are 6-18 and 18 right now and they are staring down the barrel of 6-19 and because they play the OKC Thunder uh, a day before Jaw comes back. They have De Jaron Jackson right now and Desmond Bain, and that's about it. Oh, now with Jaw back, it's now like Luca in Dallas. Jaw, we know what time it is with Jaw. He is good enough to make a bad team, a playoff team, all by himself. With a healthy Desmond Bain, a healthy Jaron Jackson, and soon, and soon, a healthy Marcus Smart, who knows what we're going to see from this team. Is a plan a possibility? All I know is what Kendrick Perkins said the other day is correct. It's all about building the culture again. The last thing I'll say is this. Jaw was asked what he thought of the team's play without him this year. He said, it's definitely some guilt at that. Obviously, I'm not on the floor. Nobody likes losing. So our job is to go out there and get a win. I take full responsibility of that, obviously, even though I'm not on the floor. Decisions I made didn't allow me to be out there to go and battle with my team. Taking accountability upon every question, even when it's not about him, that's the level of leadership that we want from John Morant. And if John Morant plays like he plays and is a new man off the court, holy shit, watch out the rest of the week. All right, moving on. What the fuck is going on with Bradley Beal's ligaments? What the fuck is going on with Bradley Beal's health? It feels to me like final destination for Bradley Beal. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter where you go, what bus you get on, what train you get on, what plane you get on. That thing is crashing. It doesn't matter what team you're on. It doesn't matter how many minutes you play. Your ankle is busting. Your back is busting. Your knee is busting. 
injury is coming for you. Why? Probably because you signed that no trade clause, knowing that on that Supermax deal, knowing you weren't going to stay in Washington. It happened right, pretty much right after he signed that thing. In his second return this season from injury, he sprained his right ankle in less than five minutes on the court and is now on the injury reserve list again, again, again. No star player has been more snake bitten than Bradley Beal. Beal went down because Dante DiVincenzo didn't allow him space to land. He also got technicaled up for that. And although the Suns are happy that there's no major ankle da- damage, is now a several-week re- grade two type sprain. Six to eight weeks. That's what it's going to take realistically to see Bradley Beal back on the court again. Frank Vogel described this as a frustrating injury type of season. But if you're like, if we're honest, it's kind of been like a bad five years for Bradley Beal. Over the last five seasons, including this year, a total of 333 games. You're, you're going to shit your pants over this. Beal has missed 120 of those games, which is 36% of available games. That is ridiculous. To give you perspective, the guy that we call skin of paper, glass of bones, Anthony Davis, Anthony day-to-day Davis, has missed 116 games during that stretch or 35% of available games. Can we call it, start calling him Bradley Can't Heal Beal? Because I don't know what to say. It's hard to bang on him because a lot of these injuries were not his fault. Landing on DiVincenzo's ankle, what are you going to do about that? So much of that is credited to bad luck. But this is a trend now. In the middle of his career, from 2016 to 2019, he only missed five games in three seasons. In his first four years, he averaged missing nearly a quarter of the games, though, as a whole. So that means 8 of 11 of Bradley Beal's NBA career have been plagued by long stretches on the aisle. When he's on the floor, we know what he does. He's a bucket. He's a bucket. He's a bucket. He's a bucket. But the best ability, they say, is availability. And that is what is missing in the case of Bradley Beal. I bet you Miami is so fucking glad they didn't trade for him. Oh, my God. Pat Riley strikes again. This year, Bradley Beal is going to be lucky to play half of the Suns games. Who knows? Who knows when he's going? we're going to see him? Probably all-star break? After the season, Beal has three years and $160 million left on his contract. And a guy making $53 million a year, I think, personally, just my opinion, should be counted on probably to play more games than two-thirds of the games in any given season. That's just me, though. Some guys have bad luck. That might be what's up with Beal. Certainly, he wants to play as bad as anyone. No one's blaming him for this. I'm certainly not saying that this is his fault. But damn, hopefully he can get himself right. Hopefully he can get himself back healthy. Because the one thing that's dead certain, almost no one gets more healthy in their 30s. No one. And Beal just went past that milestone this past year. So all that to say, what the fuck is up with Bradley Beal's body? Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. 
All right, let's go uh, from some news around the league. Let's move on. Whole lot of shit popping around the league, so let's get into it before we get into the Hemi Award. First of all, holy shit, Keegan Murray. What What is this man doing? Keegan Murray is one of my favorite young players. Epic game for the guy who is in just his second year. I mean, epic. Without De'Aaron Fox, he put the team on his back. Shooting performance that literally derailed Steph Curry's post-game presser. Steph was way more interested in knowing what was going on with Keegan Murray than what was going on with their team. It was in the middle of the Kings game, and he's like, keep me updated. Keep me updated. Here's what happened uh, in the final stat line in Saturday's win against the Jazz. 47 points, 16 for 23, 12 for 15 from three, including 11 straight to go with 11 rebounds, two assists, and two steals. Those are superstar numbers. That is Klay Thompson at his height numbers. Ray Allen numbers. He raised his season three-point percentage by five full points in one game. That is absurd. Since coming back from injury seven games ago, Keegan Murray is shooting 50% from three on shooting splits of 53, 50, and 85. And the best part about this is the part that's just sweet, sweet justice, is that friend of show Jake Fisher put an article out saying that Keegan Murray was expected to be included in the trade talks for a wing superstar. OG Ananobi type. Pascal Siakam type. You know the like, right? A lot of people started to get a little of the scuttlebutt about that. Monty Morris came out and said, absolutely fucking not. Keegan Murray is not going to be included in any trades for any player under the sun. And many beat reporters for the Kings were like, why not? Why not? Even Brendan uh, Nunez, who's the beat reporter for the Kings, he was like, listen, it is feasible and understandable for Bradley or for Keegan Murray to be included in a trade for someone like Paul George, Jimmy Butler, Mikhail Bridges, Donovan Mitchell, Cade Cunningham, Brandon Ingram, Jaron Jackson Jr. And I look at that list, honestly, I wouldn't trade Keegan Murray for any of those players. Paul George, too injury prone, too old. Jimmy Butler, too old. Mikhail Bridges, too expensive. And Keegan Murray's kind of like his upside is Mikhail Bridges. Donovan Mitchell, absolutely fucking not. Cade Cunningham, absolutely fucking not. Brandon Ingram, ugh, no way. Jaron Jackson, I foul in, out in three quarters, Jackson Jr. At, no, I don't want any of those dudes. For Keegan Murray, ugh, I wouldn't even trade Malik Monk for some of those dudes. After the game, Kings made it very clear, yo, this is why he's not on the trade block. We're going to see a lot of Keegan Murray as this team, as this team develops a third head to make a three-headed monster along with Fox and Sabonis. That is Keegan Murray. So if you get OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, that's all sweet. But I tell you what, that's to go along with Keegan, not to replace Keegan. And that makes them even more dangerous. Moving on, I saw a fascinating tweet the other day. And I was disgusted. Honestly, I was disgusted. The two highest paid coaches in the NBA, Greg Popovich, Monty Williams, have a combined record. You're not even going to believe it. A combined record of 6 and 44 right now. An incredible 12% winning percentage. I've spoken a ton about the Pistons. We don't need to go there. It's still a shit show. It's alert, alert. Still a shit show. They've lost their 23rd straight. The line the other night against the Bucks was 17, and the Bucks 
cleared it quite easily. I think they won by over 30. They're closing in on the all-time losing streak. So let's not lump the Spurs in with the Pistons. But yeah, they lost 17 straight as well. And you know what? Greg Popovich doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't care at all. In fact, I don't think he cares if this team wins games all year. He is looking at this like an incubator. I just want to see where Victor Wembanyama plays best. I want to try Jeremy Sohan at point guard. What's wrong with that? I just got an extension. I can play around a little. And from stats, it's working. Victor Wembanyama leads all rookies in points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. Let me say that again. Wembanyama leads all rookies in points, rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. Is there a category that he doesn't lead in? I don't think there is. So yeah, the season has been a success already, even if they suck. A reporter bravely asked, I think asking anything to Greg Popovich requires bravery, if they would be active at the trade deadline. And he said, a very classic pop answer, why would we do that? Get a vet or two and go win a championship this year? I'm going to go think about that. Snarky, Kurt, sarcastic, short, classic pop. Way to embarrass a, a reporter. Dress him down in like a span of 10 words. He gives you an answer that gives you everything you need to know about what his thoughts on this season is. Don't stress, okay? We're working on getting Wemby better. I've already had David Robinson. Psst. I've already had Tim Duncan. Psst. I've already had the likes of a Euro like Manu Ginobili. I kind of fucking think I know what I'm doing, okay? Don't worry about me! Okay, and since he moved to center five games ago, the Spurs defense went to, from historically bad to top five in the NBA. As for the Pistons, I don't know how long money lasts. I don't know whether they buy them out. Feels like a lot of people are starting to scream about the Detroit Pistons. They'll have broken the all-time record for losing by the time I talk about them next. It will happen, and we'll be facing serious questions about whether they need to rebuild the rebuild the rebuild again. Moving on. So, we got some news. It affects me personally. There's this thing called NIMBY. NIMBY. Acronym. Not a basketball acronym, but one that is apropos for this moment. Not in my backyard. It's a classic white term, honestly. (laughs) It's like, it's something only white people say, right? Uh, Like a lost pup, the Washington Wizards are following me to Virginia. Uh, Wizards owner Ted Leonsis, all-time cheapskate, all-time I don't care how much we win kind of guy, has decided to move the team and his other team, the Washington Capitals, out of D.C. and into Alexandria, Virginia, right into my backyard. And I tell you what, I'm in this like, have too much time, have too much money, uh, email listserv for the neighborhood. And I tell you what, people are very upset. They're worried about traffic. They're worried about crime. They're worried about leaves. They're, <laughs> they're worried about parking. They're worried about taxes. They're worried about real estate prices. I don't know what to make of it. If it happens, I'm not sure it will. All signs point that it would, could. It has received what the Washington Post is saying. That's what they want. The largest ever public subsidy for a project of this kind, an estimated $1.35 billion in state and local funds. So this is what the group chat was saying, that uh, small businesses, even ones that are a company of size 20, were getting a $15,000 yearly tax to pay for 
to DC. The Wizards, just for the Wizards Arena. I don't, not sure why, but that's a lot of cheddar, $1.35 billion in state and local funds. I ain't paying it, okay? I'll move to Maryland before I do that. Considering that I'm going to have to fund Kyle Kuzma's oversized sweatshirts and Jordan Poole going to barcode and finding the baddies, shooting floaters one-handed into a straight Osser Thompson blocks, I'm not doing it, okay? Two-thirds of the bill covered by taxpayer dollars from the place that I just moved? What happens to Chinatown now is what I gotta say. D.C., everyone's like, though, it's like the great white flight over there in D.C. Apparently, the money will come from existing funds. Existing funds, huh? That's interesting. As well as a pair of bond offerings. Tax hikes are not far behind, folks. Let me tell you. I'm not here to bitch about taxes. I get it. I get schools and roads and um, subsidies for low-income families and SNAP funds and Oregon Trail Car. All of it, okay? I'm into it. I'm into the safety net. You know what I'm not into? Subsidizing Jordan Poole. That's what I'm not into. That right there gives me the shivers at night. All right, let's move on. We got to get into what's happening to the Cavs at some point uh, deeper, but pause. But things have not gone the way that the Cavs thought it would this year. We knew, though, it was on the precipice of disaster. How how fast until they trade Jared Allen? Because they were talking about it last season when they got bounced out of the playoffs by the Knicks. The Cavs right now have fallen into eighth place in the East after a stretch where they're only two games over 500 and seven and six at home and on the road during that stretch. They are not playing up to expectations. They now face serious roadblocks because... Of injuries. Evan Mobley, the star center, is now going to have arthroscopic surgery on his knee. He is expected to miss six to eight weeks. Holy fuck. That is, that would be February 17th. Ooh, this could not have happened at a worse time because Darius Garland, their their star point guard, suffered a fractured jaw after a collision with Kristaps Porzingis, strongman Kristaps Porzingis, fracturing jaws. Now will miss several weeks as well. Two of their three stars out till February. Donovan Mitchell, people want to know what he's thinking. The last man standing on the subject of intense trade rumors said, we have the pieces. It's just a matter of getting on the same page as a group. Do you have the pieces, though? Like, those pieces are out with injury. We've got to go out there and put the consistency of work in, you know, in games. We put the work in on our off time, but all of us collectively as players and coaches, we've all got to get on the same page. I think it's just something we've got to find a way to do. All of this is nonsense. Yeah, 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 yeah. He also is like, I'm not responding to trade questions. Uh, I just want to focus on the now. Okay, sure. Uh, we will do a deep dive on the ca- deep dive on the Cavs soon. But yes, the moon over Parma, not very bright right now. All right, let's talk about Timberwolves moving on. Best team in the NBA right now. Pretty much everybody knows it. Rick Carlisle, who throws shade on everyone, said this after his Pacers team got run out of the fucking gym by Minnesota on Saturday. This is one of the best teams on the planet. These guys have really got it going. The building's alive. The environment is way different than it used to be. Take my hat off to Tim Connolly and his operation for everything that they've done and the new ownership. Yeah, I don't think that's being spoken of enough. Tim Connolly was getting straight disrespected by me and everyone else in the NBA. And I tell you, wait, I tell you what, I was wrong. Tim Connolly is the shit. He knows what's going on. Uh, He did it in Denver, and now he's doing it in Minnesota. Oh, boy. Cat was asked. This comment, by the way, 
came after Carl Anthony Towns went off for 40, 12, and 4. And Ant Edwards had 37, 2, and 4. Cat was asked after the game why he's taking less shots this year. He said, well, he basically said what I've been saying. You're not the steak anymore. You're the potatoes or the asparagus. He said, I'm not the sun anymore. I'm one of the planets. We've got a lot of great players in here. My job is to figure out how to obviously be aggressive and maximize my talents for the team. But also in those talents, how can I make everyone better? Woo-wee! And he looks good. It all comes down to defense. Cat had three steals and two blocks to go with that 40 piece. Ant had three steals alongside of his 37. My guy. These guys are getting up on the offensive side of the ball and remembering that they've got to defend as well. All in the middle is the center of the defense. Rudy Gobert locking shit down. Defensive player of the year type numbers. Tim Connolly, like I said, took a lot of shit for that Rudy Gobert trade. And now everyone is just eating crow pie. Lots of it. We got a lot of crickets out there. Not a lot of people talking about the Minnesota Timberwolves. I'm not going to lie to you. And playing the way that Connolly envisioned that they would. Remember, like I said, Tim Connolly is the guy who built the Nuggets. And if anyone could make a team work like Minnesota in a small, cold market, it's him. All right. Time to give out the Hemi Award. You know what time it is. He is I and I am him. Slim with the tilted brim. Watch this man's film. By the way, I was shocked and awed when I noticed last week the SVP was giving out Hemi Awards. Shame. Shame. Get stone this man. Stone him. I don't think he stole it from me, but holy shit, I've been doing it longer. We probably should be giving the Hemi Award to Joel Embiid. He's averaging more points per game than minutes played. Only man to ever do that besides him is Wilt Chamberlain. He's playing three quarters and averaging 30, 12, and a steal and a half and a block per game. Ah! Joel Embiid's going to win the MVP, isn't he? But no, we've got to give the Hemi Award this week to Mr. Fun Guy himself, Kawhi Leonard, the silent assassin. Mr. Uh... What's that called? One bit. Mr. One bit Michael Jordan, because he looks like the first version, the Atari of Michael Jordan out there. Yeah, he's been red hot. Over his last five games, he's averaged 34, 6, and 4 on 60. Get this stat line. Get this stat line. 65 from the field, 62 from three, and 95 from for the free throw line. That's like the best stat line I've ever seen. Kawhi fucking Leonard, one bit MJ. And MJ didn't shoot threes, shooting 62% from three on six attempts per game. That is better than any shooter in life. Better than Prime J.J. Redick. Better than Buddy Yield. Better than Steph, the best shooter of our generation, maybe ever in the world, Curry. Who, for comparison, is shooting 38% from three in the same stretch? Kawhi Leonard on a heater, sir. Why are more people not talking about this? This man is doing the impossible. I don't think he was ever that good of a free throw shooter either. He's 32%. No, 32 years old. And playing some of the best basketball on the planet right now. If I wasn't digging into the numbers, I wouldn't have believed it. I wouldn't have even thought of it. I knew that the Clippers were playing well, but this is absolutely ridiculous. We've got to give this man shine. He's played every game. 
He's balling the fuck out. He's playing all the minutes. And the Clippers are beating good teams like the Knicks, the Nuggets, the Kings. So let's give the weekly Hemi Award. He is I and I am him. Slim with a tilted brim. Watch that man's film. Fun guy himself, Kawhi Leonard. All right, moving on. Speaking of the Clippers, we got a special guest. Law Murray from The Athletic joined my other show, BetMGM Tonight, to talk all things Clippers. I was joined by my co-hosts, Ryan Horvath and Nick Ashu, so let's jump right into it. All right, Lawrence Murray covers the Clippers in the NBA for The Athletic. He jumps on with us now. You were supposed to see Draymond Green in the Warriors tomorrow night against the Clippers. Now we're not going to see that for who knows how long. Your thoughts on the suspension and where we are now? Yeah, I knew that wasn't happening at halftime. Uh, my my guy shows me his phone. It's like, Draymond ain't going to be here Thursday night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I didn't see it. Like, I, I knew that it was some people were talking about, but I hadn't seen the clip. And then I see the clip, and I'm like, my guy's got more finishing moves than you'll see in a Royal Rumble these days, man. Like, he's got the clothesline. you got the curb stop in the playoffs. What's the bonus? The yeah. chokehold. Hauled off and punched Jordan Poole. That was not even, you know, not even what 14 months ago, and it's it's a, uh, you know, it's not good that that's what we're talking about with Draymond. Like he's, our, he's a he's a future Hall of Famer, but now you know in 2023 going into possibly 2024, we're going to be talking about like another multi-game suspension. So it's unfortunate for him. It's unfortunate for the Warriors, and uh, hopefully. This particular suspension is something that gets him to stop getting suspended. Like when you get definitely suspended, it's not even like you can't even put a timeline on it. It is way bigger than basketball. And unlike most dudes who get indefinitely suspended, this happened on the basketball court. Yeah, that John Morant, it feels like the first suspension for John Morant where they wanted to get it sorted out when he ended up going to his own counseling sessions. Never mind the fact that We've been, I don't know, since June, since he stomped on Sabonis' chest, and then, like, less than a month since he's choked out Rudy Gobert. So the Draymond incidents have piled up more than just the Jordan Poole. I want to talk about some stuff that's good, though, because all of a sudden, what has happened since Russell Westbrook has decided to be the sacrificial lamb and go to the bench, this team is, what, 10-3? and how how good, how optimistic are we feeling about our clips right now? Well, you know, uh, my reporting was different from everybody else's. So um, my line was not that this was Russ's decision. I, I termed it as a team decision, um, one that Russ had to go with because who, what leverage did anyone have in a situation where they were losing? You know, they had a six-game losing streak. They were three and seven alone in 12th place in the Western Conference. But Russell has played his role, um, which is as this team's second point guard. And the key is having James Harden as the main point guard. It has allowed for everybody, especially James, to understand what their roles are, to understand what they have to do in certain lineups. And the Clippers aren't really throwing out a whole lot of crazy lineups. Like, they're actually a pretty streamlined team right now in terms of what everyone is being asked to do and everyone's had a moment like James that first win to start this stretch of 10 wins out of the last 13 was a four-point play against a team that we thought he was going to sign with in the Houston Rockets and you saw Paul George play some of 
like he's I feel like Paul's always gotten off to great starts over these last few seasons. It's just a matter of his body holding up and ironically his body is going through some things right now. He may or may not play tomorrow against the Warriors. However, Paul's arguably been the best player over the course of this entire season, even when they were losing six in a row. Like Paul was aggressively good um on both ends of the floor, but especially offensively. But now what you're seeing this month of December is Kawhi Leonard's turning up. Uh Kawhi is not only playing in all of these games, but now he's starting to really cook teams. He's understanding where he's going to have his opportunities, and he is lethal. Unlike a lot of these superstars who come into the league, Kawhi and Paul are guys who they had the ball out of their hands, and they had to be two-way players before getting their opportunity to dominate the basketball. And then when they got to the Clippers, they were asked to increase their playmaking for their teammates. Now – you're getting the best of all three of those worlds. You're still asking those guys to be top-level defenders, and it helps that those guys can run a pick-and-roll and make the right passes. But now that you're playing with James so much, you are allowing those guys to get catches in spots where they can be efficient with their offense, and you're seeing all of that come together right now. And, Lawrence, for the third consecutive season, I did buy into the Clippers. I'm a believer, <laughs> and they made it a whole 22 games this season without an injury to Kawhi or Paul George. Like you said, he missed the second half. He's got some groin soreness, they're calling it. And I just look at this week, this stretch. They got four games, I believe, in six nights, Blazers, Kings, Warriors, Knicks. Um, and then after that, like Pacers, Mavs, Thunder – and like you said, they're, they're figuring some things out right now with Kawhi, you know, with Russ coming off the bench and with Harden coming over. Uh, does that concern you at all if he does have to miss some time? You know, just maybe like a little bit of a setback. And, and does he miss any time? I hope he, honestly, I, I hope that the Clippers are smart and does not have him play through soft tissue stuff. Like yeah. something that might cost you a game or two. You don't want it to wind up costing you a week or two because you're trying to prove something. Like I saw that last season. That's the thing that tripped me up. I'm with this team all the damn time and guys talking about how dudes are just sitting out because they want to. No, I saw dudes play when they shouldn't have played. That's what we saw in Denver, January, first week of January. They go there. It's a day I always remember because it was my birthday. And it stopped being my birthday as soon as that game started. Paul <laughs> had a bad hamstring and decided – and the team let him play like he he was allowed to play. And I knew he wasn't right immediately. Like a guy who is pretty good in the paint, everything was outside the paint. Jump shots, short, not getting, a, a, not playing the type of game that you, you would play if he was healthy. And they were down 35 at halftime. And, of course, we didn't see Paul again for two weeks. And he didn't play the second night of the back-to-back again until after the All-Star break. That's the kind of thing where it's like, okay, you got to be smart, but then we're seeing a team that is pushing each other, pushing themselves uh, to play all these games, high minutes, and because they have to. So the concern now is can everybody adjust to doing a little bit more? Can guys who aren't playing play competently? Can guys like Norman Powell or I'm not even sure how they would handle uh, – who would start because we haven't seen it yet this season. It could be Norm. It could be someone like Amir Coffey, who right now out of the playing rotation, but someone who, if you look back at previous seasons, has been able to start and fill in, especially for Paul George. So uh, I, I feel like because everyone else is playing so well, it's and, and these guys are talented players. Uh, these guys are guys who've been practicing and been on this team for years it's not going to be that big of an adjustment. Obviously, you're not going to be as talented, but the cohesiveness is what matters in the basketball game. And I think it would help the Clippers to 
see what that looks like in December now that they have a little bit of a cushion over 500. Not much, though. They're still only seventh in the West. I wanted to follow up on that point about guys playing through or deciding they wanted to to push through tweaks and, and being banged up. Like, who's responsible for that change happening uh, this season? I'm not going to put it on the NBA's player participation policy, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> I think that guys were um, – I think last year was a year you probably could have taken for granted. Uh, I think when the season began last year, it was like, oh, Kawhi Leonard's back from an ACL, and Paul, you know, after missing three months with a torn ligament in his elbow, you were thinking, add that to a team that finished with a winning record, and you could see how everyone thought they'd be a top-five team easily. We learned a lot about how injuries and age, not just of the stars, but of the supporting cast, can cause a team to decline. And that's what you saw last year. By the end of the year, the approach that the team took just for guys to get hurt any damn way, it really lit a fire up under everybody. But the other thing is, look at the contracts. Contracts speak for themselves. No one's guaranteed to be on this team again next year. You don't want to leave the season with regrets. The whole service had a great line in one of those songs, you know, I'd rather regret something I did than regret something I didn't do. And what this team is doing is saying, you know what, we need to take the regular season seriously, but it's not a matter of, you know, guys having an attitude going into games that they weren't trying hard. It's a matter of you have a medical staff that's trying to protect injury prone players. But now the approach is to not, you know, put everything into protecting guys over a long term that isn't guaranteed. Instead, play guys and help them sustain over the course of the year while they're playing back-to-backs, while they're playing um, instead of 30 minutes, 35 minutes per game. Um, and it's because this is the last real shot that this team might have with these group of guys being together. It's really as simple as that. Talking to Lawrence Murray, BetMGM tonight, I'm looking at the Western Conference standings now, and I know like it's it's a long season. We're 22, 23 games in for for most of these teams. We got the Timberwolves at 17 and 5, the Thunder at 15 and 7, and then the Mavs at 15 and 8 with the Denver Nuggets sitting there in the four spot. I know, a long way to go, but when you look at some of these younger teams, these up and coming teams, we all kind of sat here and agreed the Thunder were going to take that next step. Uh, I didn't really expect them to be like a two seed when the season was done, but again, long season to go. If you look at the Timberwolves, the Thunder, and even the Mavs, do you see all or even one of them kind of sustaining this type of momentum throughout the season? Not really, uh, wow. and that's no disrespect. That's that's no disrespect to these teams. Um, look, man, the, the at this time last year, December of 2022, we were looking at teams like Phoenix and the New Orleans Pelicans at the top of the West. Okay, Utah and too. What happened to Phoenix? Yeah, like Utah had Mike Conley. You know who has Mike Conley now? The number one team in the yeah. Western Conference, Minnesota Timberwolves. A team that I would not consider to be a young, up-and-coming team. Them dudes is pretty damn old. Um, not old as in, you know, Clippers old. But, like, those guys are established NBA players and talents uh, outside of maybe Anthony Edwards. Like, Anthony is the face of that team now. But Carl Anthony Towns is the guy who he's been around long enough to be the face and to kind of pass that along to Ant. Rudy Gobert is a guy who he's on the other side of 30 now. Mike Conley is in the twilight of his uh, career, but he's still playing at a high level and has a lot to do with why that team is so organized. Like you saw it with Utah Jazz when they stopped being competitive once they made that trade with Minnesota. 
Um, this is the Minnesota team that could have been, we could have seen this team last year, except Rudy didn't have his stuff together in his first year there. It took midseason to get the right point guard to be there in Mike Conley. He's a much better fit for those guys than D'Lo. Uh, Ant was great, but Carl Anthony Towns was hurt pretty much the whole year. You're seeing a team that went through a lot of struggles, and now they're coming together. Um, I love what they're doing, but it's also like you take one or two of those guys out, and, you know, they have some durability issues. They're not deep at all, and that's the result of the Rudy Gobert trade. We saw that last year. Hopefully that we don't have to see that this year, but that's what you have to guard for. The OKC Thunder, they're just young, um, uh, and they're doing great, but we got to see it over the course of a full season. So we'll give them credit for what they're doing now, and we know it's a long season. It's hard. So shout out to the shout out to those dudes. And for Dallas, it's the same thing. Luca was playing great this time last year. He was coming up with 50-point games, 60-point games, and then in celebrations after some of the stuff that he was doing, like when he beat the Knicks off of that free throw, uh, missed free throw, um, they go as far as Luca goes. And relying on Kyrie Irving, Kyrie's already hurt, so we got to see it. Lawrence, about 30 seconds. How sustainable is this performance that we're seeing lately from Harden? I think it's pretty damn sustainable. He's not doing anything too complicated. He's just kind of playing basketball. Set the screen. We're going to make some decisions. That's it. You know what? If they got, if they can keep this going, All Star Harden. I, I, I listen. I want to yeah. see the Clippers make a run again. They made the Western Conference Finals when they it's actually kept time. that roster healthy a couple of years ago. I mean, I it would be it would be fun to watch them over the Lakers for a change. Lawrence Thank Murray, the Athletic. Great talking to you, man. Thanks for coming on again. Appreciate y'all. All right, that's all the time that we have for the Heat Check. Come back Monday for an all new episode and check out the feed for past episodes and mini episodes, which drop unexpectedly. Like a pop-up from YouTube telling you to stop using your ad blocker. Do not forget to follow the Heat Check as we navigate and talk about this NBA season. That means download, subscribe, and tell everyone, friends, enemies, frenemies, neighbors, all of them. Even that guy selling Christmas trees who, when I asked to pick out a nice one, he said, they all look the same. Tell him, hey, stop taxing $100 for a six-foot Christmas tree. Tell him, yo, by the way, while you're waiting on the non-people coming to your parking lot because it's... December 18th. Listen to this podcast called The Heat Check. She wants a nice tree too. Follow us on social at This Heat Check and Trista Crick on TikTok, Instagram, and on Twitter. We'll see you next time.